really excited to, to share this morning. Um, uh, just one, one comment with uh, pastor appreciation. Um, my wife and I have been here like 95 days or so. We just moved up from Austin uh, to work at Heart of David. But uh, the, the day one that we got here, it was Pastor Dave in the church and that met us out to help us unload our, our stuff that we brought. So from day one, we just felt the support of this church um, the very first day. And ever since then, everybody we've met has made us feel um, like part of the family. And I believe that's because of what Josh and Dave and their families has, have done. They've created this place of, uh, like, it feels like home. And also not just for the people, but for the presence of the Lord, which we notice, which is really what matters. You know, it's what's important. So that's what I love about this church. It, it feels like home. It really does. Um, there's, there's a very healthy family structure to it. And I don't know. So we love this church, man. Um, so Revelation 1, I'm going to talk about uh, the book of Revelation. It's a class that actually I teach at Heart of David School of Ministry. School of Ministry. Heart of David School of Ministry. Um, it's a class that I've taught um, there for the last couple years. I'm really excited to teach this book um, because it gets a bad rap. You know, people, uh, when people say turn to Revelation, you know, immediately they're like, uh-oh. Like, it's like Mark of the Beast, you know, it's, it's going to be bad. But it's not, all right? So I'm touch, talking on the Revelation of Jesus Christ. And my goal today in the next like 30 minutes or so is to awaken a hunger for Jesus, okay? So I'm going to tell you real quick three reasons why I started to study the book of Revelation. Okay, number one was I was confused. That's reason number one. That's why I started studying it. Because I had two professors in my life that had, I went to Bible school, and I failed. So, so you don't need to be a scholar to read this, okay? You can, you can fail and still make it. I had two teachers in my life who taught two completely different views on this book. Uh, and to me, I just couldn't dismiss it. To me, I was like, this is the most important book in history. And, you know, why, why is there two opinions here? Like, well, I have to know. And, and basically, that set out a course for me to study the book out and, and to find out what is really going on here. And not just take uh, man's word for it or man's opinion, but really look and allow the Holy Spirit just to, just to confirm the word itself, right? Number two is... The Lord really marked my heart in a profound way out of the book of Daniel 11 and 12. The book of Daniel 11 and 12, uh, there's this idea that there's this group of people that are called um, the wise. They'll shine like stars, okay? And so in the last days, there's this group of people that have given themselves to understand um, the end times. And when, the, when it, it begins to happen, they will have understanding. So the Lord marked my heart with a, Daniel 12, 3. I'll read it to you. It says, And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above, and those who, those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever. So there, there is a fruit to be had to have wisdom concerning the last days, because you can turn many to righteousness. Okay? And that really gripped my heart. Uh, Daniel eleven thirty two says, But the people who know their God shall stand firm and take action. And the wise among the people shall make many understand. When I read that, it was, it was like a, a brand to my heart. It was like a, an assignment that I received. That it was the people who know their God can stand firm. So the, the key to standing firm in the last days is to know your God. Okay? So that's reason two. And reason three is the most important reason is, uh, you know, what, what, is, what is the pinnacle of, of worship? What, is the pin, what are we doing here? 
Like, what's, what's the point of everything we're doing? Right? It's like devotion unto Jesus, right? Like, ab- above every single thing, everything comes out of seeking His face first. Right? So, the most important reason why I began to study the book of Revelation was because of this prayer. God, I want to see you. God, I want to know you. Right? Out of all 66 books, there's only one that opens up with, this is Jesus revealed. Come on. Only one book. So when, we, when you pray, God, I want to see you, I want to know you, but you only read 65 books, you're missing out. You're missing out the one that says, hey, you want to know the man you love? Here it is, book 66, the revelation of Jesus Christ. Right? So we just spent, what, 40 minutes in worship, and the whole time, you know, we're worshiping, singing these songs out, and it, it's, 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 there's, there's like a, a paradox. There's like something that's not connecting, right? Because we're singing all these songs. God, I want to see your face. I want to know you. But then the place where we can, we can find this full picture of who Jesus is, we stay away from, right? So there's a couple of reasons why that is. But number one is the enemy does not want you to understand. The enemy wants to keep uh, you confused over the book of Revelation. The enemy wants to keep you fearful of this book. All right, I'm going to give you quick, I'm just giving like an introduction because there's, there's a lot of uh, preconceived ideas that people come and bring to this book. And that's why there's so many opinions. So I'm just taking a little bit of time um, and just talk about those. And then we'll start reading. So here's a list of reasons of why to study this book. Okay, number one is you could, you could view this book as the fifth gospel. You know, there's four gospels. The book of Revelation is the fifth gospel. It completes the picture of Christ, okay? It completes the image of Christ. Uh, number two, I already said this, but he is the man we worship. Like we just spent 45 minutes, and some of you like 20 years of your life, 40 years, 60 years, dedicating your life to this man. Like this is the man we worship. And this book says, this is the man you worship. Here's, who, here's how he looks like. Here's how he leads. Here's how he's a bride, he, bridegroom. Here's how he's a priest, king, judge. You know, there, there's, there's, there's beautiful pictures and descriptions of who Jesus is that we miss out on because we stay away from this book, okay? Uh, Number three, reason three, this is the only book in scripture, I feel like I'm selling something. (laughs) Dial 1-800-REVELATION. This is the only, (laughs) this is the only book in scripture that the Holy Spirit, like listen to this, the only book in scripture, the Holy Spirit embedded a blessing in the text if you read it. Does that make sense? The only book in scripture that says, if you read this book, you'll be blessed by reading it. If you hear this book, you'll be blessed by hearing it. If you keep this book, you'll be blessed by keeping it. But notice it doesn't say understand, right? Because a lot of us are like, I don't understand it. So you do this. And that's where it's been the last 200 years. You know, did your dad teach you about the book? Probably not. Grandpa, no. For 200 years or more, 1,000 years, people are like, I don't get it. Closed it. We've gone a thousand years and we've not advanced in, in knowing who Christ is in the book of Revelation. Because our fathers and our fathers' fathers, I don't even mean like our immediate dad, like I love my daddy's great dad. I don't mean like our immediate fathers, but like the, the, the spiritual fathers of the church, right? They haven't taught on this book. Uh, in my class, I, I asked my students, when's the last time you heard a teaching on the book of Revelation? Or some of them have been in church all their life. Like how many of you have ever heard a sermon from the pulpit, pulpit on the book of Revelation? And it was about one in six students, one in six, have ever heard anyone talk about it. So, this reason number three. Reason number four is it's the absolute most important event in history, and it's the least talked about. 
This is more important than the elections coming up, more important than whatever, just anything that you can imagine. You know, this is the most important event in history that we're approaching, that's coming towards us, and it's the least talked about. At least like in the church. Like even, even in the church. When's the last time with brothers and sisters you had a conversation about the book of Revelation? Right? Never. It's always about something a little more sweet, you know, like Psalm 119, or even that one's tough. Uh, Psalm 45, you know, like, oh, everyone, everyone, yeah, Psalm 91, Psalm, you know, 23, everyone loves that, but no one says, hey, let's talk about Revelation 1 for a second. Everyone's like, oh, you know. Anyway, uh, reason five. So do you guys know the very last um, words that Jesus spoke, the very last words recorded in history are in Revelation 22.20? And if you have a, a red letter Bible, they're the very last words in red. Okay, in the very last words in red that Jesus said from his lips, is surely I am coming soon. That's the very last, very last thing that he decided to leave with humankind, is hey, I'm coming back, I'm coming soon. That's the very last thing he said. So I, I know you've seen like Hollywood movies when like someone's on their deathbed and they give the last words. There's like a, this is a crazy rabbit trail, but there's like a Shrek movie when like the frog is dying and like all this stuff and he gives his last word. Anyway, people are like on their deathbed, they give their last words, right? But Jesus, these are like his, his last words. He died and came to life to tell us something. Like, anyway, I'll love this one. Alright, let's move on. Uh, reason six, the book of Revelation is rooted in the Old Testament. It has about, oh, it has over 500 allusions to the Old Testament. Okay? I have one more stat and then we'll We'll jump in. 278. Everyone say 278. Out of 404 verses. Okay? 278 out of 404 verses in Revelation references the Old Testament. That means 70% of the book of Revelation is based in the Old Testament. 70%. Okay? That brings up two things. Number one, a lot of believers aren't familiar with the Old Testament. Right? Because it's not for us. You know? So they don't know the Old, Test the Old Testament. But, uh, I mean, it's for us. I didn't need to, like, agree. I don't agree with that. But because of that, when people read the book of Revelation, they're so lost. All oh, 12 stars. What is that? That's the 12 kingdoms of Europe. That's Europe. That's Italy, France, you know, Ireland, whatever. No, it's the 12 stars. It's, it's the dream that Joseph had. 12 tribes. Boom. Done. If you, if you read Genesis. Easy peasy, right? So, like, people approach the book with zero context of the Old Testament. And then just make something up. And that's why there's so many made-up things in the book of Revelation. But 70% of it is based in the Old Testament. So, if, if you just... Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, you know, just read the good old books. Like, you'll understand the book. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, number two, on that same point, is... Because of that, the church is unfamiliar with the Old Testament... But they're even less familiar with Jewish custom, with Jewish ways. So there's, the, the book of Revelation is covered in so, like, like it's translated seven candlesticks. No, it's a, it's a menorah. You know, like seven lampstands. No, 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 like there's, there's Jewish symbols, Jewish context. If, if you knew the Old Testament, you would, it would immediately, you would, oh yeah. This is what John was thinking when he saw this, this thing. Oh yeah, this beast, oh wait, that's Daniel. Like, oh, oh, yeah, like, John didn't have to, like, go read Matthew Henry's commentary. He just read the prophets and the Torah, you know? Like, he knew. All right, and the last thing 
The book of Revelation is, is like a train station. All, all the prophets in the law, that these words have been given, and all these, these planes or trains are pulling into the station, right? And they, 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 the destiny of these words end in this last book, right? And if you're not reading the last book, you're missing out, okay? All right, let's move on. All right, I'm going to give you quick four common objections. I'm sure we all know them. Four common objections. And I'm going to talk about them just for a brief second before we jump in. I know it's 11.47, but just hang in there. Good, you're good. So there's four common objections. Number one is if no one knows the day or the hour, what's the point in studying the book, right? I've heard that one dozens of times, okay? If no one knows the day or the hour, what's the point of studying the book? No. Number two, we'll get to it. Number two, probably my favorite, we won't even be here for it. We won't be here for it. You can waste the time. Why are you going to study it? Okay. Number three, people have argued over the book for centuries. What makes you think you could understand it, right? Or makes you think I could understand it? People have been talking about this for 2019 years. You know, what makes, what makes you any different? You know, this guy with the mic from Austin, what are you going to say? Right? Uh, number four, it's scary, it's dark, and gloomy. Okay? Those are the top four objections that I've heard um, as I've been teaching this book for the last couple years. So number one, I do want to... I do want to dismantle these objections really, really quick, right? And then we'll jump into the book. So number one, the no one knows the day or the hour. That comes from Mark 13, 28. Mark 13, 28. You, if you want to write it down, you can. I'm going to read you this passage. Mark 13, 28 says, From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that the summer is near. So also, when you see these things take place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Okay? And there's a famous verse. But concerning the day or that hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven or the sun. Well, the, only the Father. But then, the, the same verse, the very next part. Be on guard. Keep awake. For do, you do not know where the time will come. And he says, it's like a man going on a journey. When he leaves home, he puts his servant in charge. Uh, each with his work. And he commands a doorkeeper to stay awake. Then he says, therefore... Stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, at midnight, or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And so he says, what I say to you is stay awake. All right, so let's just really quick, let's just analyze this. So people say, why care about the book of Revelation? No one knows the day or the hour, right? I, I, okay, I've thought that, all right? I know a lot of us have thought that. Okay, number one, in context... Jesus is saying, if you look at a fig tree and it begins to blossom, you know that summer it's on its way. This is the context of the scripture. So he's saying, like, if you can look at a tree, like the trees right now, the leaves have fallen, so it's fall. And we, all of us are prophets, right? Winter's on the way, right? That's, that's what Jesus is saying, you know? And then when you see a, the buds start to, to come out, spring's on the way. And then we can all prophesy, summer's on the way. That's what Jesus is saying. Like, like, when you see these things, he says, when you see these things take place, you know that he is near at the very gates. It's as easy as telling the seasons is what he's telling us. Okay? And the next part says, day or hour. So I've heard dozens of commentators say, you know, maybe we don't know the day or the hour, meaning like November 10th, 1151. But maybe we know the week. Maybe we know the month. 
or the very least the year, or the season, right? Am I right or am I wrong? <laughs> okay. I mean, mine says day or hour. I don't know what yours says. All right, let's move on. 1 Thessalonians 5. I, I know I'm giving like so much introduction, but I'm just going to read this really quick. 1 Thessalonians 5 is talking about how he's coming as a thief in the night, right? We've all heard that. Thief in the night. Second part of that verse says this. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for the day to surprise you like a thief. Let me read that again. But you are not in darkness for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are children of light, children of the day. So for 2,000 years, we've said, no one knows the day or the hour. We don't read it. Everyone says, he's coming like a thief in the night. But no one reads the next verse, like literally the second part. Hey, you're not a child of the night. You're a child of the day. Like it's not going to surprise, like literally, I'll read it to you again. For that day to surprise you, you are not in darkness, brothers. For that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light. Children of the day. All right, that's objection one. Objection two is that uh, we won't even be here for it, okay? We won't even be here for it. So just think about that statement, right? We won't even be here for it. Just follow the logic through. We won't even be here for it. Okay, you won't be here, but who will? And, and where will you be? You know, these are questions that are unanswered. Like, if you say, we won't be here, there's two questions that come after that. Where are you going to be? And who's going to be here? But so that's, that's, not a, that's not a good enough reason to not study the book. Like, where will you be? There, the book tells you where you will be and what you will be. You have a responsibility as we, as we begin to read it. Like, just clouds and then you're like, you just like chill. You know, like clouds and you're gone. That's not how it works. Like, you are, the book tells you that you're a priest. He's made you priest. You have a function to perform when, when the last days begin to occur. You, your function is to partner with God in worship. You, know, you, you don't get just a cloud and a lazy boy and like, a thousand years, here we come. And that's not how it works. All right? You're going to partner with God through worship. And, and this, this book has 12 worship songs. It's the, the book of worship. And it shows you how to partner and agree with God in His will and what He's doing on the earth. Okay? So... When you say, you know, we won't even be here for it. Okay, but where will you be and what are you doing? You should know what to do. Prepare your heart. Read it. Understand. What are you going to be doing? And the second part is, who will be here? Somebody you know. Friends, neighbors. There's a reason to understand so you can share. So we can turn many to righteousness, right? All right. Uh, number three. Uh, people say, you know, you've been studying this. People have been studying this for 2,000 years. What makes you any different, right? People say, like... How am I going to understand it, et cetera, et cetera. So the reason for that is people come in. The reason there are so many opinions is because people come in with preconceived ideas. Okay? And they, they read whatever they want into the text. Okay? Which is incorrect. So if you, if, you want to, if you want to see gloom, you will read gloom into the text. Right? It's, it's however you, it's however filter you put on is what you're going to read through. Does that make sense? That is why for a thousand years there's been so many opinions, because people come with preconceived ideas. Okay? And also, that's not true. There's not a, a million ideas. There's four. There's four main views for the book of Revelation. You can, you can wrap your mind around four. Right? There's four. Um, I'm going to give them to you really quick, and then we'll move on. First one's preterist. Second one's historic. 
one's poetic, and one's futurist. There's four main ways to interpret this book. Boom, done. The 2,000 years, we got it. Right there, 10 minutes, right? All right. The last reason is people think it's gloomy and dark, but again, this is a perspective issue. It is the most glorious, it is our most glorious hour, okay? You and me, congregation, church, body, body of Christ, Christ's body. It is our most glorious hour, okay? Not gloom, not dark. All right, without further ado, turn to Revelation chapter 1. That was the longest infomercial of my life, right? It's like the preamble. Revelation 1, it's 1056, all right? Let's see what we can get done today. All right. So, when the Lord gripped my heart to study this book, he had me read chapter 1, verse 1, for months straight, all right? I would read chapter 1, verse 1, literally, Hannah's heard me teach this a couple times probably, literally for months, one week went by, two weeks, it turned into a year, okay? I, I'm, not, I'm, saying this, I'm not saying this to like boast or anything, but I'm just showing you this testimony I had, how I encountered the word. For a year, I was reading chapter 1, verse 1. I was reading chapter 1, and then I would go up, chapter 2, 3, and four or five, but never chapter six. Okay, the Lord, I was like, I'm ready to get into the seals. Let's talk about how yeah. break open the seals and, oh, you know. But he was like, no, go back. You don't get it yet. Go back and read one through five. And that, that was it. That was where he had me for the two, three years that I was in depth looking. You know, go back one through five. Go back one through five. Read it again and again and again. And finally, when it clicked, you know, chapter six through 22, no problem. That's where everyone gets confused because you skip all of, the, all of the context that Jesus as a pastor is giving to the seven churches. Okay? The, the, the seven churches in chapter 2 and 3, it's this whole context that gives you the right filter to read the book. But most people, because they want to get, you know, bloop, bloop, through like the commercials or whatever, like, let's just get to like where the action happens. They miss out the context and then they come up with this, some random idea because they have no context for it. Okay? So, so when I was looking at, at this uh, chapter 1, verse 1, I had a New King James Bible, okay? And every Bible says something different, but mine said the. So after a month of looking at the revelation of Jesus Christ, the revelation of Jesus Christ, the revelation, one, one day the word the just like punched me in the face, like the, you know, the. I was like, what? What, what is the? What is the? Why is the so important? Have you guys seen Dumb and Dumber when he's like, hey? They were trying to read it. Tea hearing away. The why is the so important? So if I tell Dave, bring me the chair. I'm pointing at the chair. He's gonna get up and he's gonna grab that one. If I say, bring me a chair, pick any one you want. And he'll bring it to me. Bring me, bring me the book or bring me a book. Like I could say, like, does that make sense? Yeah. I will make it just because I'm a teacher at a school. I'll make this comment. That's not exactly exegesis, okay? Because every different Bible says something different. Some of them do say A, which is okay. But for me, I had this, this personal encounter with the New King James Version, because it said the, and it hit me in the face, okay? Saying the means specific. 
When I, when I said bring me the chair, it's a specific thing, a specific chair, right? So the very first tone that is set for the book of Revelation is specific. The book is specific, right? And for the sake of time, let's move on to Revelation, the Revelation. So in Greek, the word Revelation is Apocalipsis, okay? And one time I was teaching this in Ecuador, in Spanish, and in Spanish, the word for Revelation is Apocalipsis. So we don't say Revelacion, we say Apocalipsis. So when I stood up to teach, I said, let's turn to the book of El Apocalipsis, right? So it's like, imagine trying to teach the book already with all its you know, confusion, and then having to teach it when it's titled The Apocalypse. Let's turn to the apocalypse. You know, Ecuador are like, you know what? That's what it's called in Spanish, the apocalypse. That's the title of the book in Spanish. Okay? So when I was teaching it there, I was like, oh, geez, man. Like, this is even harder here. But in the Greek, if you look at the word apocalypse, it means laying bare, making naked. That's what apocalypse means. To make naked, to reveal, to unveil. That's what apocalypse means, okay? So, throughout history, it has a different connotation. But when John wrote it down, he said, specific unveiling. That's what he wrote, like the book of Revelation, a specific unveiling. That's the way he wrote it down from his pen, from his mind, what he was thinking when he wrote it, that's what he said. He didn't, he didn't think, like random, gloomy story. That's how we would think, right? No, it was specific unveiling. That's when he was writing it. That's literally what he wrote. He happened to use the word apocalypse, which means to to make it plain is what it means, right? So the way the way I the way I see this, I promise I won't go like till twelve forty-five. I'll end soon. But the way I see this is like the unveiling of a car. I don't know, I mean, this is like a, such like a, a manly like thing, but when there's like a car that's being revealed, it's in a tarp, and you can tell it's, it's a sports car. It's not a van, it's not a truck, it's a car. You, you don't know what color it is, because there's a veil. You don't know what, what type, you know, make and model, what year. So that's kind of the book of Revelation, that 65 books is like this, this tarp, this car. We have this idea of who Christ is. But when you remove that tarp, when you remove that veil, you see the details. Does that make sense? Yeah. And for the ladies, because I know this is like a car imagery, for the ladies, it's like a, a bride with the veil, right? We want him to see your face, but he has got the veil. So he doesn't know the details of your face, the details of your eyes, the details that are, that are there in your countenance on your, on your wedding day until the veil is removed, right? Same kind of thing. That's what, the, that's what John meant. That's what Christ meant when he, they pinned this, the revelation of Jesus Christ. Okay? It's this, this details, literally details. Not mysterious, not obscure. The whole point is to bring clarity. Okay? I'll only make it to two more and then we'll transition. But the second was the revelation which God gave. Okay? Which God gave. Sorry, I skipped it. The revelation of Jesus Christ. Sorry, I skipped it. So the revelation of Jesus Christ. Jesus, we know, is Jehovah 
our salvation. Jehovah is salvation, right? That's where we get Yeshua from, this idea of Jesus as salvation. Does that make sense? We know Messiah is anointed Messiah. Oh, sorry, Christ is anointed Messiah, right? So Christos is Greek. It means anointed Messiah. So if you put it together, it's the unique, specific revelation or unveiling of Jehovah Messiah anointed to save. Does that make sense? So the very first sentence in this whole book sets the tone. This is revealing in a specific way our Messiah who is yet saving us. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's setting the tone. The Messiah is still coming to save. He's cleansed. He's saved us from our sin, right? He's redeemed us. But he's still going to save us from this world. Okay? So this sets the whole tone. This whole tone about him being the Messiah anointed to save us. He's the only one who, who's anointed to do this. Right? Okay. So I'm going to read it really quick. So turn to Revelation chapter 1 verse 1. Is this helping anyone? Yeah. Cool. So, I have the complete Jewish study Bible, so it'll be a little bit different than yours when I read through it. Just give me a second. Okay. This is the revelation which God gave to Yeshua the Messiah, so that he could show his servants what must happen very soon. He communicated it by sending his angel to his servant, Yohakan, is that what he says? Yohan. Yohan who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Yeshua the Messiah, as much as he saw. Verse 3, Blessed are the reader and hearers of the words of this prophecy, provided they obey the things that were written in it for this time is near. Okay? I'm just going to pause right here real quick. So, we've only spent 10 minutes on chapter 1, verse 1. And chapter 1, verse 1, the first three verses... It dismantles the whole confusion, all the arguments, all like, it's gloomy, it's dark, it's obscure. Like in the first three little verses, we know this is about clarity, right? This is about unveiling. These are details. This book is specific for details, right? All right, let's jump down. Is Mario in here? Where is he at? You want to jump up? All right, jump down to verse five. Chapter 1, verse 5. So, and from Yeshua the Messiah, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of this earth, to him who loves us, who has freed us from our sins at the cost of his blood, who has caused us, verse 6, who has called us to be kingdom, that is, kohanim, for his God and Father. Say a kingdom of priests, right? To him be the glory and the rulership forever and ever. Amen. I know this Bible is different, but so I just want to real quick take a second here as Mario begins to play. That chapter one, he is setting the tone for the whole book. The one important piece to understand it, because we're not going to read all 22 chapters right now, but you can go home and read it. Uh, the one key to understanding it is you have to you have to own your identity as a priest. Like the, the blood of Jesus bought us these two really big identities, the, being sonship, right? Son and daughter, family. But the very next one is priest, priest and king. And as priest and king, you have responsibility as priest and king. So 
So when it comes to understanding the book of Revelation, you have to view this as partnership in the priesthood of Jesus. Does that make sense? Is that like, yeah. is that too much? That makes sense, right? Jesus is our high priest, right? We all know that. That's we took communion today. He's our high priest, right? He's the forerunner, the first one from the dead, you know, the pioneer of the resurrection is Jesus. We are in the order of that priesthood, okay? We, we, we have a purpose to serve. We have a purpose, a responsibility, okay? So when, when you go through and read this book, a real important aspect is to know that you're part of the priesthood. Come on. Right? Okay. Now jump over, for the sake of time, jump over to uh, verse 12. Chapter 1, verse 12. And I'm, I'm going to end with this. Chapter 1, verse 12, sorry. I'm pulling it up in a different version. So, obviously, the, obviously today we, we're not going to cover 22 chapters, okay? And that wasn't the point. The point was just to, to look at some of these objections and, and, and hit them head on and change the way we view this book, okay? And the most important, most important, if you take anything away from this infomercial, the most important thing is this reveals Jesus Christ, okay? This reveals Jesus it's not titled the book of the Antichrist. Okay, it's not titled the book of the rapture. It's not titled the book of Armageddon. Okay, the book of the seal. It's the book, the revelation of Jesus Christ. So I want you to turn to Revelation um, 1.12. And we're just going to read this description of Jesus. That's, that's found here. We're going to read it out. And then we're just going to worship for five minutes and we'll close. Okay? Sound good? So Revelation chapter 1 verse 12 says, Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands, or a menorah. And in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. Let me pause right here. If you're thinking, how is this book applicable? How is this book Apply to me. It's 2019. What, what are these symbols? What does this mean? Okay. John sees this man clothed with a robe in the midst of these lampstands. In context, this is a high priest that is tending the fire on the altar so it does not go out from Exodus, right? The priesthood. So get this. Jesus, right now, is serving as high priest before the altar of your heart, okay? These lampstands, it tells us when you read it, I'll read it to you right now, the seven lampstands are the seven churches. These lampstands, these lampstands, a way to picture it is like the fire on the altar of your heart. Jesus has given himself as high priest to intercede for you day and night. This is what he died for. He died to go up and stand at the right hand of the Father and pray for you. That is what he's doing. You look at these lampstands. What is he doing? He's trimming the wicks. He's adding oil. Literally, Jesus, every single second, is praying so you do not burn out. Come on. 
That is what he's doing. No matter what you feel, no matter what you hear, no matter what you have a crazy week or whatever, Jesus, every single breath, he is interceding for you. He's standing at the lamps, making sure that the fire on your altar does not go out. This is what he is doing. Verse 14 says, the hairs of his head were white like wool, like snow. The hairs of his head, that means it's talking about wisdom. Jesus has the wisdom to carry out this plan, the book of Revelation. Jesus is the one who has the wisdom. His hair is white like wool, white like snow, right? The second part says, like snow, his eyes were like a flame of fire. His eyes are a flame of fire. It's talking about not, not just judgment, but also jealousy. He's, 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 his eyes are set looking at us. It means it's, it's this bridegroom who can't get enough of you. Okay, it's not just judgment. It is judgment. He sees everything, right? It is judgment. But it is also this bridegroom. It ends in a wedding. It ends in a wedding. If you read the story, it ends in a wedding. It's this idea as his bride's coming down the aisle, his eyes are fixed, right? His eyes are a flame of fire. His eyes are set. They're locked. They're fixed. Not just for judgment. He is coming in judgment. But he's also coming for love. He's coming because he's in love with you, right? You, we are the bride of Christ. The second part, verse 15 says, his feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace. Okay, it speaks of his walk, his feet, they're refined. Every step that Jesus takes, he's 100% sure about. He's certain about it. So you see this picture of the prodigal son and the father running towards the son, right? The father, he's running towards you and his steps are refined. Every single step he takes towards you, he's 100% sure of it. There's no doubt when he pursues you. Does that make sense? There's no doubt in his mind. He's not double-minded. His feet are sure. They're refined like a furnace. And also, in carrying out judgment, his judgment is refined. His walk is pure. There's, there's no hidden motive in Christ. He's been refined like silver, right? There's no hidden motive. The second part, his voice like roar of many waters. That's from Hebrews 1. It's, you know, like in past times, the prophets have spoke, the law has spoke. But all those words are culminating. All those, those words are crashing in on this revelation. And that's why when Jesus speaks, there's this, there's this thundering, this water. All the messages from, from Abraham, Moses, Elijah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Zechariah, all these words, they're, they're crashing in on Jesus' lips as he's, as he's speaking, right? Does that make sense from Hebrews 1? All right. Verse 16, in his right hand, he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. We know that from Hebrews 4.12-ish. And his face was like the sun, shining in its full strength. Why don't we stand? We'll end with this. What we're going to do is just, we're going to just take five more minutes or less. We're just going to pray together as a corporate body for hunger for Jesus, okay? Um, and as Mario leads us. Holy Spirit, we come before you, Lord. We open our hearts to you this morning, God. I just encourage you, just before you get distracted, just take two more minutes before you get distracted. Just set your heart on the Lord right now. Father, you are the man we worship. 
Jesus, you are the one we worship. Our devotion is set on you, Lord. God, you gave us this book in generosity. You gave us this book to see you, to know you, to understand you, to know your leadership, to see you as the pastor of our hearts, to see you as the priest of our hearts, tending a flame on that altar, Lord. Lord, we come before you and we ask this one thing. We want to be hungry for your presence. We want to be hungry to know you, Lord. We come before you as a corporate body, God, and we just, we repent, Lord. We've stayed away from the description of who you are. We've stayed away from knowing this plan that you have for the earth, this plan you have for every believer. God, we want to know you. We want to know you, Holy Spirit. I ask, God, that you would give us the spirit of wisdom. Come on, just take two minutes. Just ask him right now. Just in your own words, in your own breath. We want to see you, God. Give us the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation. That the eyes of our heart would be open, God. That we'd be enlightened to know you, God. Come on, ask him. Just take 60 seconds and just ask him. Just lift your voice. Lift your voice. We want to know you, God. We want to know you as king, God. We want to know you as priest. We want to know you as our lover, as a bridegroom. That you are coming soon. That you are coming back for us, God. That your hair is white like snow, full of wisdom. That your feet are pure, God. Your walk is pure, Lord. Your eyes like flame of fire, God. You're jealous for us. You're pursuing us in jealousy, God. In zeal, Lord. You're hungry for us, Lord. We come before you, Lord. We ask that you release a grace to read and understand, God. No more confusion. No more confusion. We declare, God, that you would release a hunger right now. That just one or two people, God. If one or two people could just get hungry. Oh, if one or two people, Holy Spirit, could catch a glimpse of this resurrected man. The firstborn. The ruler of the kings. Release hunger right now, God. Unsettle us, God. Unsettle us, God. Break in right now, Lord. Increase your love, God. In in this body of Christ, Lord. In your bride. Increase the love. Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.